This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Community studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jeff Darge behind the glass. I got to say, we usually start the show with dancing, but um, nobody's dancing after that Cardinals game yesterday here in the Valley. Arizona drops to 6-6 six and six on the season. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of things I didn't like about that game yesterday. First of all, again, you dropped to 6-6. Six and six. How about the fact that I, when are we ever going to have confidence this team can beat the Rams? I know it's a different team each year. I, I, I get that. But this is seven straight losses, and you give up more than 30 points every single time. And even if you don't want to buy into the previous six losses, that's fine. What did you see yesterday that makes you believe the Cardinals are going to beat the Rams in a month when they play again? I mean, We'll get into that. We'll get into the ASU game over the weekend. I was actually at that game. That was a, a very odd scene being at a Pac-12 game in December. Uh, with no crowd, obviously, just kind of music playing. You could hear the players and coaches yelling. It's just just a just a weird scene. We'll get into that a little bit as well. Uh, but let's let's start with the Cardinals and, and the thing that really the thing that really stands out from that game as as the biggest concern for me going forward. And I know it's like okay, we are a kicker can't make a kick. I know a lot of Cardinals fans are nervous that maybe maybe Cliff isn't on the same level as some of these other coaches he's going up against. I mean, the last three weeks he's gone up against Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, and Pete Carroll. He's not on their level. I mean, you're hoping eventually he gets on Sean McVay's level, right? But I mean, Bill Belichick's probably the best coach of all time, and Pete Carroll is uh, is climbing that list as well. There's a lot of different things you can look at from that game, and you could say, okay, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that. The biggest thing to me now, we're heading into week 14, I don't know what this team's identity is. And I don't think this team knows what their identity is. When you go into this season, you think, okay, the Cardinals, maybe, you know, maybe make the playoffs this year. Maybe, maybe you just miss, which is, by the way, still very much on the table. But at the start of the season, you're thinking, either way, this is going to be a fun team. They're going to score points. And by the end of this season, you think the offense is going to be set. Like, this offense is going to be absolutely buzzing. It's not the Chiefs, but why can't it be the second or third or fourth best offense in the NFL? Like, just, and I'm talking more, I'm talking more what we thought at the start of the season, or at least what I thought, what the ultimate goal was by the end of this season. Yes, you want to make the playoffs. You want to, you want to see improvement across the board, obviously. But I thought we were building this team around an offense that was going to be so innovative and so electrifying that it was you know, going to be borderline unstoppable when it finally all came together. And I figure by the end of year two of the Cliff Kingsbury-Kyler Murray era, you mix in DeAndre Hopkins, you bring back Kenyon Drake, you still have Larry Fitzgerald. I know he's hurt. He's out right now. But I'm saying this is the thought at the start of the season. You figured by the end of the season, playoffs or not, you would feel really good about this offense going into next year, right? You're not quite the Chiefs, but like Kyler Murray's going to be the a a top five quarterback in fantasy drafts. DeAndre Hopkins going to be a top top five receiver in fantasy drafts going into next year. Christian Kirk's going to establish himself. Maybe you get something from Andy Isabella. 
Uh, Kenyon Drake is going to be a, a really good running back. And, and somebody else, whether it's Dan Arnold or whoever is going to step up, you just figured this offense was going to be so innovative and had so much talent that that was never going to be a question. I know they scored 28 points yesterday, but if you watch that game or you listen to that game, something's not right. And this is three straight weeks of this where something's not right. And we can sit here and say, well, the Cardinals, you know, they shouldn't need their quarterback to run to be successful. Okay. I mean, the Chiefs shouldn't need Travis Kelsey to be really good to be successful. Like, maybe the Chiefs should just play without Travis Kelsey for a while to see if they could win anyway, because they should be able to win anyway, right? Why would you take away the best part of your offense voluntarily unless it's not voluntary? I mean, if Kyler Murray is so hurt that he can't run, I don't know that there's much they can do. I really, I mean, I I thought for sure this team was a nine-win team with the upside of a 10-win team or maybe even an 11-win team. And now it's like, you want to win nine games, you got to win three of your next four. And honestly, if you're going to do that, you probably need to win your next three because the fourth one is in L.A. against the Rams. And I'm not, I'm not big on saying like, oh, you don't have a chance against this team. I mean, unless we are talking, I don't like absolutes in the NFL because it is just so wide open in any given week. So unless you're talking about the Jaguars or the Jets winning a game or the Chiefs losing a game, the other 29 teams, I really do feel like almost anything can happen any given week. We just saw it yesterday with the Seahawks and the Giants. But until proven otherwise, I am not trusting this Cardinals team against the Rams. It, it is the, it, other than the Chiefs, it's the last team I want to see this, this group play. I went into yesterday thinking, okay, basically the same thing, but at least, hey, this is an opportunity to completely eliminate that narrative, jump to 7-5, and five, actually jump ahead of the Rams in the standings, Seahawks are losing, so you're like, hey, actually get within a game of Seattle for first in the division. You're tied with Tampa first in the, uh, the wild card race. And they just got handled. Four straight three and outs after scoring on that first drive. It's just... I mean, the Rams are just a better team. I get that, but seven of these in a row now. Spread out over three coaches, and I don't even know how many quarterbacks have played in these games now for the Cardinals. And they're just... They're, the games... Yesterday was basically the closest one they've played in a while. Uh, but I don't think that game was as close as the final score indicated. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. Okay, we will start with Monday Night Football going on right now, and it's getting interesting. The Washington football team has just tied the Pittsburgh Steelers since I started this show. It was 14-0 Pittsburgh in the second quarter. It's now 17-17, about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. Antonio Gibson, who really has been Washington's best player this season, at least on offense. I mean, I guess you can make a case for Chase Young. Terry McLaurin's been good on offense, too. But, uh, but he's out. He exited this game very early with turf toe. And yet Washington has a chance to end the Steelers' undefeated season again, 17-17 with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then coming up here in about 10 minutes from State Farm Stadium, it's not the Cardinals. It's the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Buffalo Bills in a game that is suddenly very, very relevant to the Arizona Cardinals because if San Francisco wins, they are 6-6. Minnesota already won yesterday, so they are 6-6. And, And of course, the Cardinals have dropped... 2-6-6 Two six and six after beginning the season six and three. Uh, at this exact moment, 
the Cardinals are technically on the outside looking in in the NFC playoff picture because Minnesota technically has the tiebreaker. It's winning percentage against common opponents. So that's something that's almost certainly going to change here over these final four weeks. But, um, you know, Cardinals still still essentially control their own destiny, but they don't look like a team that knows how to handle that right now. They just, they don't. I, I expected so much more from this team, especially after the first seven, eight, nine games. I think we all did, but Monday Night Football tonight matters uh, the game that's being played at State Farm Stadium because you don't want San Francisco in the mix, too. You you at least want this to become a two-team race between the Cardinals and Minnesota because, let's be honest, in the back of our mind, we're all thinking, and Minnesota has Kirk Cousins, so there's a chance that things go south for them, too. College football, I mentioned it was at the ASU game on Saturday night. It was it was weird driving up to the stadium. And obviously, if you've ever been to an ASU game, I mean, it, it depends what direction you're coming from. But n- no matter what, you're seeing that stadium, especially for a night game. It just completely lights up the Tempe sky. And I was driving across Tempe Town Lake. So, like, it's uh, all those buildings and everything, like the ground, the, the water's all lit up. Like, it just looked like it was game night. You still have students milling around outside. And then you get inside, and there are two football teams and nobody else. And I get that that's the way it has to be, but uh, it's still still a very surreal experience. ASU lost that game. I don't know how much people have watched UCLA. For some reason, I've watched now four UCLA games this season. UCLA is not a bad football team, but I don't think there's any way ASU loses that game if they had just played a regular schedule leading up. I mean, the, the Bruins have actually got to play their games this season. ASU obviously hasn't. They're now 0-2 with a game against U of A, the Territorial Cup, on Friday. And there's just not any uh, electricity around that. I mean, the, the stat, that's just, it's, it's brutal, but I think it probably sums up how all of you are feeling out there right now. You combine the Cardinals, the Sun Devils, and U of A. We have one total win since October 25th. I mean, that's just that's brutal. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of weird circumstances in there. ASU didn't play a lot of games. U of A just isn't good. I mean, we knew that coming into the season. Cardinals beat Seattle on October 25th in that overtime thriller, and from that point on, those three football teams have combined for one win. It's been well over a month. It's been a month and a half, and that one win was memorable. It was the hail mary from. Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins, but I mean, that wasn't a convincing win by any means. So, tough times for us sports fans here in Arizona. I mean, why not? You know, we've won so many championships in the last 10 years. I guess we were due to have some some losing seasons, too. Uh, college basketball. ASU is the only ranked Pac-12 team in the latest college basketball rankings. They are 23rd overall. They will actually play number 24, San Diego State, on Thursday. ASU, of course, 3-1 and one to begin the season. All right, when we come back, we'll get back into football. What is the Cardinals' path to the playoffs at this point, and what are they going to do at kicker? That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Luke Lipinski back here with you. It is the rundown on this Monday evening. I was really enjoying the first portion of this football season. I was, I was, I was really liking uh, September and October. We'd come in here and do the uh, the Monday shows, and we'd be talking about a big Cardinals win and oh, the upside for this team, and, and nobody really knows what the ceiling is, the sky's the limit, all this stuff. And uh, now I feel like we're starting to see maybe what the uh, the ceiling is. I mean, uh, at least for now, you know, there's. 
all those naysayers at the beginning, really, of last season when the Cardinals went out and got a head coach that had never coached in the NFL and went out and drafted a quarterback that, to be clear, I believe Kyler Murray is going to be a very good quarterback in this league. I think he already is. I think he's still going to get better. Like I, I have lost zero faith in what Kyler Murray is going to be able to do. But I'm just painting that picture for you. The beginning of last season, there were a lot of people, and, and whether they were just naturally pessimistic people or they didn't want to see this succeed. You get a lot of old school football types who are like, hey, why is this coach coming in here dating Instagram models and has never coached in the NFL and all of a sudden he's a head coach and he just gets to step right in. I hope that guy fails. So the Cardinals, you know, there's the pushback on Kyler Murray when he was the first pick by some people too. And then there were just people that I don't think had any sort of ill intentions. They just looked at the Cardinals and are like, that's not going to work at the NFL level. Well, now you're proving them, I don't want to say you're proving them right, but you're giving them reason to resurface, and they are. Cardinals have lost three in a row, they've lost four or five, but it's the way things have looked. And yet at the same time, and I know this is cliched, and I know it is probably not what you want to hear today if you're a Cardinals fan and you're frustrated and you just want to vent, and trust me, we'll do that. You can always tweet into the show at event at Rundown987. You can tweet me at Luke Lipinski. Go ahead. Just tell me whatever you're most concerned with uh, as far as the Cardinals go. I mean, do you have any sort of encouragement or hope for the rest of this season? Uh, but what I was going to say that you probably don't want to hear right now is that 6-6, six and six, you're still tied for the final playoff spot. I will say this. At the beginning of the season, if I had told you the Cardinals were going to be 6-6 six and six after they won five games last year and three the year before, if I told you they're going to be 6-6 six and six with four games left, would you have taken it? I feel like you probably would have. But the caveat to that is, if this team misses the playoffs now, after looking as good as they did, not unbeatable, but I mean, they, just, they, they did for a while look explosive on offense. And they did for a while look like they were going to be able to get the job done on defense. You start six and three, you start five and two, you got to make the playoffs. There's an extra playoff team in each conference this year. You have to. If they don't make the playoffs now after that start, you don't tear this all down. I'm not saying that at all. I think this is going to work. I, I at least think Kyler's going to work. I think this is a big stretch for Kingsbury coming up. Like I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is is going to get to a point where he's he's you know certainly fine in the NFL. But if you're talking about this team is built to win a Super Bowl in two or three years, I'm gonna need to see more from everybody except like DeAndre Hopkins. But my gut tells me Kyler Murray will be capable of winning a Super Bowl here in a couple years. I don't know about Kingsbury yet. If that's if that's where the bar is, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> how could I sit here and say, oh yeah, no, Cliff will be fine. They they can win a Super Bowl with Cliff. I mean. How do I know that? The league is adjusting to him. Now it's time for him to adjust back. Six and six, though, still very much in it. If you were in the AFC, you wouldn't be. And we saw the Patriots win yesterday to go to six and six. They beat the Chargers by 45. Patriots are probably done because the seventh seed in the uh, the AFC right now is technically Indianapolis at eight and four. I mean, you're running out of games now. But 6-6 six and six in the NFC absolutely keeps you in it. Now, you've, you've probably thrown away your shot at the division. And you've thrown away your shot at what all I ever really wanted, which was the number one seed among wild cards, so you could play the Giants or whoever wins the NFC East. You've, you've probably thrown that away, too. But if you can 
take a step back as the Cardinals and recalibrate and look around in these next few days and say, look, man, if we can, if we can just go 3-1 and one in these final four games, we're going to make the playoffs. Minnesota's not going 4-0 down the stretch. There's no way. They don't, I, what they've got Tampa coming up, Chicago, New Orleans, Detroit. And Minnesota's just, they are like a 6-6 six and six team. Justin Jefferson's awesome. One of the best rookies in the league. He's probably not going to win rookie of the year because of Justin Herbert, but he's, I mean, he's, he's legitimately good. Dalvin Cook's legitimately one of the two or three best running backs in the NFL. But the rest of that team is shaky. So if you go out there and, and, and go 3-1 and one in these next four games, you're probably still going to make the playoffs. And for the Cardinals, I mean, you got two NFC East teams and a beat-up San Francisco team. You should be able to win three of these last four games. But like I said, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going into Week 17 thinking like, okay, this team's got to win to get in and feeling any confidence at all unless the Rams have locked everything they possibly can up. And I don't know how that would even be an option with, with just how wide open things are in the NFC. What's the scenario where the Rams aren't going to play their players in Week 17? That they've locked up first place in the entire NFC? That's, they're not going to have that locked up. They're probably not even going to get that. So you're probably going to have to actually beat the LA Rams, as we just saw yesterday, in Week 17. So I'm going to go ahead and say, let's just focus on beating the Giants, the Eagles, and the 49ers uh, instead. And right now... That is very much up in the air. I mean, the Giants just won yesterday in Seattle, and they didn't even have their quarterback. They probably will have their quarterback back on Sunday against the Cardinals. All right, well, hosting a radio show to talk about sports, I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a lot of fun. One of the bad parts of it is talking about kickers. <laughs> it just, just is. Kickers when they're not making kicks. My first year doing the Cardinals uh, pre and post game was 2016. That was my first like full year doing it when Chandler Catanzaro couldn't hit any kicks. And, uh, and the special teams are just a mess that year. We don't need to go back to that. <sighs> Zane Gonzalez missing that kick yesterday. It's just at a certain point, I you know, I, I hate. I hate the idea of sitting here saying, well, this guy should lose his job. But man, this guy needs to start doing his job or he's going to lose his job. He may lose it before this upcoming game against the Giants because here's the thing. Zane Gonzalez didn't lose you the game yesterday. Not by any means. But this game against the Giants is probably going to be close. Right? I mean, picture in your mind the Cardinals beating the Giants this week. What's the score? Like 24-21? Something weird like 22-19 or something? Do you really think the Cardinals are going to go out there and beat them 41-7? I don't. Giants actually are playing really good defense. They're in the NFC East, which just by nature of that makes them a joke. Or at least the punchline to a lot of jokes. And I don't trust the Giants offense at all other than Evan Ingram. But I trust their defense. If the Cardinals are going to beat them, they're going to have to beat them in a close game, which means Kingsbury's got to make good calls at the end of the game, obviously. And Zane Gonzalez is probably going to have to hit some kicks or whoever's kicking. This was Kingsbury today, media availability, uh, asked about Zane, just sort of his mental state. Obviously, kicking is, is a mental game. Clearly, Zane Gonzalez can make 40 to 50 yard kicks. Otherwise, he wouldn't have got to the NFL. 
but none of us really believe he can make them now for the Cardinals. Yeah, Zane is mentally tough. Um, that comes with the territory, that position. Um, we we got to be able to make those kicks. And we all understand that. And he understands that more than anybody. Then he was asked point blank, Cliff was, if Zane is still his kicker. Is Zane still your kicker? Zane is our kicker. Which I, I was digging through the archives here to try and find the old uh, clip of of Kingsbury when he was asked about Josh Rosen when he first took over the job. And I can't remember the exact line, but it was something like, yeah, Josh is our guy. Josh is our quarterback. And obviously Josh never played a game for Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, And then just a few moments later, Cliff Kingsbury on with Bickley and Murata. And we're actually going to replay a good chunk of this interview later on in the show. But the way it works on Mondays, Cliff meets with the media and then he does the exclusive sit down with Bickley and Murata. And it's right after. I've been out there covering it a lot in the past when, when things were normal. We'd all be in the media room, and then right over in the studios, Cliff would walk right in and do the, uh, the, the exclusive interview with Bickley Murata. Now, obviously, it's done over Zoom and the phone, but there's, there's no turnaround between. It's like two minutes. This is what he, was, uh, this is what he said when Bickley Murata asked him about Zane's future as the Cardinals kicker. Where is the organization uh, in terms of confidence with Zane Gonzalez? Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, um, when Steve and I get together to discuss personnel, that will you know, be a topic, I'm sure. Um, once again, we have to make those kicks, and we understand that um, these teams are too good to, to not get those points there. That's not the same as, yeah, Zane's our kicker. I mean, technically, I give Cliff credit. He is, he's very, uh, he can run for political office after this, right? Because even with the Josh Rosen stuff, when people ask him, like, hey, you know, Josh Rosen's going to be, you're not drafting Kyler Murray, right? Oh, yeah, no, Josh is our quarterback. Technically, in that exact second, Josh Rosen was their quarterback. Technically, this afternoon, when he was asked about Zane Gonzalez, he had every uh, every right to say this. Zane's still your kicker. Zane is our kicker. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, he doesn't really elaborate. That's not offering a lot of insight. Uh, we can all look on the depth chart right now and see that Zane Gonzalez is the Cardinals kicker. But is he going to be the kicker on Sunday when they play the Giants? Um, you know, I, I earlier in the season was going back and forth on this because I, there's always that misconception of like, this guy can't make a kick, so bring in somebody perfect off the street. There aren't any. There's no perfect kicker out there that's unemployed right now. But Zane's not hitting anything anymore. And do I think maybe he catches on with another team or something a year or two down the line and and he can recapture it? Maybe. I, I don't think like, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, this guy's career should be over. But I just don't have any confidence that he's going to walk out there in a Cardinals uniform on Sunday and make his kicks. We're getting to the point now where I'm like, they they score a touchdown and I'm watching the extra point closely. That's no way to live. (laughs) I mean, as a football fan and as a football team. And again, his missed kick at the end of the first half is not why they lost that game. You watch that game, you knew that the Rams, by by the time the second half rolled around, could could score at will if they had to. But still, you're not playing the Rams next week or the week after or the week after. These next three games, as bad as things are right now, they are all very winnable games. Yes, the Giants lead their division. And I do think, like I said, I think that defense is legit. If they had Daniel Jones, who I don't even really think is that good of a quarterback, but he's better than Colt McCoy, and they had Saquon Barkley, I would, I would consider that a legitimate team. You know, just decent, like maybe average. Average will win you the NFC East, but very beatable. The Cardinals should beat that team. Philadelphia, they don't even know who their quarterback is. 
That is the weirdest team in the NFL. You should beat that. You better beat that team. San Francisco in week 16, I give the 49ers all the credit in the world for hanging around the way they have. Them and Denver have just been beaten down with injuries and additional weirdness from the pandemic. Denver not even playing last week with a quarterback. San Francisco now lives in Glendale somehow. But you should be able to beat that team if you're going to be a playoff team. But I'm telling you, none of those games are going to be blowouts. How many blowouts have the Cardinals had this year? Like blowout wins for the Cardinals. Jets and Cowboys, right? They beat Washington by 15. I don't, that wasn't really, they, they, the Cardinals were in control of that game. But it wasn't a blowout. I'm just saying you're going to need your kicker to make kicks here in these next three weeks specifically. And if you do make the playoffs still somehow, you're absolutely going to need your kicker to make kicks. So either you got to fix Zane Gonzalez before Sunday or you got to do something else. And I don't know how you fix him before Sunday. Like I said, Zane Gonzalez seems like a great guy. I don't want like his kicking career to be over. I, I'm not sitting here wishing anything against him. Ideally, he would just go out there and make his kicks for the Cardinals. He's an ASU guy. I'd love to see him make the kicks. But I don't know that they have any wiggle room now. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, but I'm, I'm also not like filled with confidence that whoever you bring in, Mike Nugent, is suddenly going to hit all his kicks. This is one of those things that needs to be worked out before the season, and it clearly uh, has not been. All right, when we come back, I want to get back into the part of the offense that has most noticeably been missing. I've got some numbers to throw at you as to what the Cardinals, at least offensively, need to fix most, although whether they can do it in the next month or not, that's a completely different question. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Big Red Monday. Monday. Big Red Monday with the Rundown. Presented by Ramos Law Firm at RamosLaw.com. Your home for everything Arizona Cardinals. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Hey, welcome back to the show. Luke Lipinski here with you. A lot of focus on the Cardinals here tonight, as you would imagine. Offense just completely non-existent for Arizona for big chunks of that game yesterday. Uh, we've talked so much, or we did, coming into these last two weeks about how the Cardinals, you got to score first, right? You can't keep digging these holes that you dug for a good chunk. What is it? The seven of the first ten games this season, the Cardinals were trailing at halftime. So last week against the Patriots, go out there, force turnover, score a touchdown quickly, up 10 nothing against the Patriots. And then yesterday, I mean, first, what, first drive of the game, one of the first couple plays of the game, 59-yard touchdown to Dan Arnold. You're like, okay, here we go. Maybe a little bit of a different feeling yesterday, just because it's like, okay, we're going to need those points and a lot more to beat the Rams. The week before, you go up like that on the Patriots with just kind of how average they've been, you're feeling pretty good about a win that week. Yesterday, I understand there was more trepidation. It was very early, but still, you get that, that touchdown and... Then you get nothing. You get a three and out, a three and out, a three and out, a three and out. Like, you want to just kill all the energy. That's the best way to do it. Even turnovers don't kill the energy that quickly. They kill your chance to win. But just going three and out. Oh, we got the ball for a minute. We did nothing. Okay, we got the ball for a minute and 12 seconds. We did nothing. Okay, now we've had the ball for 50 seconds. We did nothing. Like, way to kill your own defense, too, by the way. That's what we saw yesterday. 
And, you know, the Cardinals came out a little bit better offensively in the second half, but at that point you're chasing the game. Uh, Kyler Murray's trying to force stuff. He has the pick six. He has the fumble. It just it, it, You can't play from behind against a team like the Rams and expect to win very often. Cliff Kingsbury today was asked the very important question, I would say the most important question around this team right now, what's the key to getting your quarterback running again? Yeah, I think it's just kind of cyclical right now. Um, like I said, these these past three weeks, we haven't hit a rhythm. And um, so not only him not running, but just other aspects of our offense haven't been as sharp and haven't executed as well as, as we know we can. And so I think it's just, um, you know, a number of things that, that kind of lead to, to where we're stalling out. And um, when we're playing in rhythm and opening things up, that obviously opens up. Um, him being able to use his legs more. This, to me, is is the biggest issue around this team. And this is why last week, when Kyler Murray was asked the question of, like, if, you, if you're not going to be able to run, how do you guys find other ways to move the ball on offense? How do you exploit the fact that teams are keying on you running? That's why I was so shocked that that's the question he laughed at. I don't care if he laughs at a question. I really don't care. But I was surprised that that was the question because we just saw it again. This is their season right now. Here's his numbers, his rushing numbers for Kyler Murray over the last couple weeks. Yesterday, five carries, 15 yards. Against New England, five carries, 31 yards. Against Seattle, five carries, 15 yards. Never got in the end zone in any of those three games. Rushing. I'm just talking about rushing. He still threw three touchdowns yesterday. Like I give him credit for fighting back in that game. But I'm just saying specifically, this part of the offense that was setting you apart and making you look like not just a playoff team, but like a team that could win a couple playoff games a month ago, is now missing. And if you're watching the games, you're like, oh, you know what, maybe, I, maybe it just seems like it's missing. Or, you know, the Cardinals are, they've been saying now for a couple weeks, like, oh, other teams are taking it away. It's drastic. Five carries each of the last three games, 15, 31, 15 yards on the ground. This is what he was doing before that, okay? On the ground in the previous nine games to start the season, 10 rushing touchdowns. Basically 600 yards on the ground. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's 605 yards on the ground, 604 yards. And uh, in, in the first 10 games, of the nine games of the season. Sorry, I'm trying to do the math on the air. So 600 rushing yards in the first nine games of the season and 10 rushing touchdowns. The last three weeks, he has 15 carries for 61 yards, no touchdowns. You're telling me something didn't change? There's no way that the Cardinals are going into these games and saying, well, you know what? Teams expect Kyler to run, so we can't run the ball with him anymore. If it's that simple, (laughs) then why didn't teams do it earlier? Like, I get that teams adjust. And like I I said earlier, you've, you've faced Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, and Pete Carroll the last three weeks. Three of the best coaches in the NFL. One of them is the best coach of all time. Whether you like the Patriots or not, Bill Belichick is the best coach of all time. Or... He's second on the list, whatever. So, yeah, I can buy into the idea that those coaches are going to make the Cardinals uncomfortable and put them in position where they can't do what they want to do. But you're watching these games. There's no design runs for Kyler. It can't be as simple as, well, okay, we, you know, we gave him the RPO. He has the option, but you know, it's, it's either if they, take, if they take him away, he's got to pitch it out or he's got to hand off. Okay, fine. They can take it away that way. You can't just roll one out to the right and let them run. 
He can't just take off and run. How many the San Francisco game in particular, but not not it's not the only time. But how many times in that San Francisco game, all the way back in week one, when nothing else was working offensively, did we see Kyler Murray just be like, fine, I'll just run for 15 yards. Okay, fine, I'll run for another 17. Until you guys get open down the field, I'll just run for 15, 20 yards in each play. Now, if the pushback is these teams have adjusted and they're like, you know what? You're not running for 15, 20 yards on us. Then somebody's got to be open downfield. Christian Kirk had two yards yesterday. I think this is a very, very, very pivotal stretch, these next four games, for Cliff Kingsbury in particular, to figure out a way to either adjust back as the league has adjusted to his offense and his quarterback that can run. I don't, I don't want to call Kyler Murray a running quarterback because I don't, I don't see him as a running quarterback. I see Lamar Jackson as a running quarterback. I see Kyler Murray as a legitimate quarterback who's also faster than most people in the NFL. So he absolutely, that's a weapon. That's a weapon in his arsenal. But I don't see him as like, here's a running quarterback. I hope they don't make him pass. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be Bill Belichick comes in and is like, you know what, we're not going to let their quarterback run. We'll put an extra guy on him or whatever. We'll make sure every RPO is going to the running back, not, you know. Then, okay, then we'll just beat you through the air. And that has not been the case. And that's why I think it's so big for Kingsbury here in these final four games of this season. If it's, if it's simply teams have adjusted, then he needs to adjust back. If, if Kyler Murray's hurt, I mean, he is hurt. If he's more hurt than they're letting on, or they are worried to let him run, or they've you know put the thought, any sort of doubt in his mind, like, hey, maybe don't run if, if, if you know... How about you look at every receiver and then look at him again before you run? If there's any of that, then I don't know what this team can do the rest of this season. I really don't. But um, I'd like to see them adjust back. I'd like to see them come out there with something against the Giants this week that maybe the Giants aren't prepared for. Or, honestly, I would just like to see Kyler Murray drop back to pass, and if nobody's there, I'd just like to see him run 15, 20 yards again. That's what was making this team fun. Right now, they're just not fun. They're just kind of, I mean, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. That's not fun. That's not even fun to say. Uh, one more from Kingsbury. He was asked, why are there no more quarterback rollouts? Yeah, I think you always just want to play to your, your strengths and, and what you do well um, and, and your personnel. And, and so, um, you know, the Rams and, and Niners definitely have great packages when, when they do that um, and, and are very good at executing it. Uh, one more here from Kingsbury bigger picture what does the offense need to do to get back to being the offense we saw i think it's a combination of, of everything we obviously have to be able to execute our basic concepts and um, you know base base install plays at a higher level than we're doing um, but you know it's a tough league and, and as the season goes on you're going to have ups and downs and, and we're um, in one of those downs right now offensively we're not playing at the level we can we can play at and we all know that and it, it just is about doing things right, you know, throughout the week and, and then having it show up on Sundays. And I don't think as players and coaches, we're doing that well enough right now. Now, this is I want to be clear. I'm not in that camp of like Kingsbury needs to go. The Cardinals can't can't win with him. I'm not in that camp at all. I think he's going to be able to figure this out to a certain extent. If it wasn't the Cardinals, I would be fascinated to see how he adjusts now and what he what sort of looks he has. I mean, this is supposed to be what he's good at, right? coming up with innovative ways to make the offense go. And I'm not saying that he should have already been able to do it, 
But here we are. We're going into week 14. Some teams in this league have at least figured out how to slow Kyler Murray down. That's undeniable. So it's not like Kyler Murray suddenly got less good. If anything, he should be getting more good. The injury, I will give you, is a complicating factor. But the coach and the offense should be able to open things up. Even if it's not Kyler Murray running, somebody's got to be open. There's got to be a way to exploit the fact that teams are, are forced to dedicate resources to your quarterback because he can run. If you're not going to run and you're going to say we can't because you know teams are, are keying on that, then somebody's open downfield. Or something's got to be open for your running game. Something. I mean, I guess you could say to a certain extent yesterday it was, well, okay, Dan Arnold's open. I mean, Dan Arnold had a very good game. The best game of his career. He had two catches. So I don't think that that was like, hey, we found something and then now we can exploit this in a few weeks against the Rams. Christian Kirk had one catch for two yards. Chase Edmonds had two catches out of the backfield. Like, and maybe he can be a receiving threat. Maybe he can do something. But let's go. Let's like let's get innovative here. If Kyler Murray's going to be out there and he's not going to be able to run, then let's get innovative. Because if you don't, you're actually going to miss the playoffs this season, which I did not think was a possibility three weeks ago. I just I just didn't. All right, I've played just some of the uh, the Cliff Kingsbury cuts from the media availability today. When we come back, though, we'll play a portion of his interview with Bickley and Murata. That way, you can hear it all together with context and everything. And these are obviously different quotes because this is uh, this is from his sit down with Bickley and Murata. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studio. Luke Lipinski here with you. Jeff Darge behind the glass. We'll start the reload with the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury today, among many, many other things, said this very obvious statement. They need to get Christian Kirk back, like, in the uh, game plan. we got to do a good job of involving him more, there's no doubt. In the games that he's been involved, it, it seems that, that we play better as an offense. And, and so um, it starts with play design and, and calls. And then um, you got to give them credit, too. I think they, they have a good uh, cover guys and um, did their, their part of it. But we got to find ways to get him more involved. There's no question. Yeah, Christian Kirk, when you look at, at the numbers he was putting up there, uh, for a while, starting with the Carolina game when he got his first touchdown of the season. And remember, part of the problem they had last year was that Christian Kirk, all of his touchdowns came in one game against Tampa. Had the touchdown against Carolina, they lost. Okay, but then the next week, five catches, 78 yards. They go out there, they hammer the Jets. It's the Jets, I get that, whatever, but still. Two touchdowns the following week on 86 yards against the Dallas Cowboys. That's a win. Two touchdowns the week after that against Seattle. That's a win. 123 yards and a touchdown in the loss to Miami. So it's not just as simple as like when he scores, they win because he has six touchdowns in four games this season and they're two and two in those games. But the Miami game, not the offense's fault at all. That one, I think you can pin more on like, you know, making field goals and and other things. Um, But the offense looks considerably different when Christian Kirk is involved. If, if, If we can't have Kyler Murray running the way he was running the first nine weeks, then the Next thing I would say you need to get back fixed, specifically with the offense, is get Christian Kirk involved. He had two yards yesterday at 19 the, the week before against the Patriots. And the guy really should be your pretty clear-cut number two receiver when Larry Fitzgerald's not out there. And he has 21 yards in the last two games on four catches. They, 
everything that is making this offense special is just non-existent right now, other than like DeAndre Hopkins, and even he didn't have a catch in the first half yesterday because they weren't really throwing to him, but they adjusted that in the second half. Cardinals are currently on the outside of the playoffs looking in with that Minnesota win yesterday over Jacksonville, and you know, the Vikings have won five of their last six. Now they lost to Dallas in that uh, that sixth game. They have not been impressive as a team. Dalvin Cook has been impressive. And Justin Jefferson, the rookie receiver, has been very impressive. But as a team, you know, you, you, in this stretch, okay, they beat Green Bay to start it off. But then they beat Detroit. They edged out Chicago. Chicago's a mess. They edged out Carolina. Carolina's just beat up. They lost to Dallas in there. They barely beat Jacksonville in overtime yesterday. Like Minnesota is not some team. I don't think they sit here at six and six. That it's going to like go ten and six, and the Cardinals are screwed. Minnesota's got Tampa, Chicago, New Orleans, Detroit coming up. They could easily go two and two in those games. The, the possible problem is New Orleans actually could have the number one seed locked up by the time they play on Christmas Day. But either way, Minnesota should lose at least one, if not two more games. So it's still there for the Cardinals. But you got to start scoring and you got to start making your kicks. Uh, It is getting potentially a little more complicated with what's going on tonight in the NFL. Two Monday Night Football games. We'll start with the one that was played earlier. The Washington football team rallying for a 23-17 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Washington is now in that... uh, Right in the thick of the playoff race in the NFC East. Tied with the Giants at 5-7. and seven. Pittsburgh is now 11-1. The undefeated season is over. What is it? The 72 Dolphins can all uh, pop champagne and celebrate tonight. It was a nice early game, too. So that's, that's, uh, that's perfect. And Bills Niners going on right now. Early second quarter, 7-7. You absolutely, 100%, don't have to think about it. You want the Buffalo Bills to beat the 49ers tonight at State Farm Stadium. I would say you could go over there and watch, but you can't. But um, yeah, the game, of course, being played in Glendale. As Jeff pointed out earlier, they still have Arizona just painted in the end zones. It's a very weird scene because this is a home game for the 49ers, and they have another one uh, next week, too, when the Cardinals are off in, uh, in New York playing the Giants, where the 49ers will be at State Farm Stadium playing home games. I made this point earlier off the air. Like, if you're going to use our stadium, you should give us your kicker because Robbie Gold never misses kicks. So I feel like there should be some sort of trade-off. Like, the Cardinals are going to be nice enough to let you use their stadium and, and as you potentially pass them in the playoff race. you The least you could do is let us borrow your kicker for some of these games. Uh, but that game, 7-7 tonight. Josh Allen has a touchdown pass to Cole Beasley. And uh, Brandon Ayuk, the former Sun Devil, has a touchdown reception from Nick Mullins. I mean, I know we don't like the 49ers, I don't like the 49ers either. Got to give him some credit running out there, hanging around with uh, with Nick Mullins, throwing touchdown passes. And they shouldn't be in the playoff race. The Cardinals should have put teams like the, the 49ers and the Vikings away a while ago. But just in the sense that San Francisco has a chance to stay at 500 with all they've had happen to their team this season with injuries and everything, I give them credit. But I want them to lose the rest of their games and uh, and then leave in shame. College football, ASU over the weekend. I was one of the few people at this game. It was strange to watch ASU play UCLA with nobody in the stadium. Said this earlier in the show, but like you're driving up to the stadium, it's all lit up. It's a night game. You know, you know how you know how Sun Devil Stadium looks during night games. Like you can see the scoreboard from the 202. You can like it's it's 
It's lit up, but you can tell there's a game going on. We walked in that stadium on Saturday night, 8.30 kickoff, by the way. And it's just, there's nobody. You know, there's a few friends and family members spread out over a stadium that's supposed to hold like 54,000 people. You can hear the players, coaches yelling. There's, there's music. I mean, it's it, it looked like a high-profile scrimmage game to get ready for the season just because of the atmosphere. I mean, there's nothing that, that anybody could do about that. But that's the way it looked. Unfortunately for ASU, they lose 25-18. They're 0-2 now. They only have one more guaranteed game against U of A. Now, they're supposed to. everybody in the Pac-12 is supposed to have a seventh week. So the week after this upcoming uh, slate of games. But it's not like scheduled out yet. But they should have another game. It might be a home game. Otherwise, that was ASU's only home game. It was their first home game since November of 2019. I mean, over a year since the last home game at Sun Devil Stadium. Sun Devils, they look like a team that hadn't practiced for a few weeks and hadn't played in a month and had only played one game in, like, what is that, basically 11 months. So UCLA is a decent team. Demetric Felton is a a really dynamic running back who used to be a receiver, but he also didn't play much on Saturday because he was hurt. I mean... You could see what UCLA did. They they went with their other running back, Britton Brown, and he was solid, and then he got hurt. But they didn't use Demetric Felton until they had to on that last drive, essentially. He had like a couple plays early. He got hurt the week before. But uh, when they needed to score late, they just went to him. It was a weird scene at the end of the game, too, because ASU is like a minute left, and it was clear UCLA was... I mean, UCLA is at like the two-yard line. They're going to be able to kick a field goal to take the lead. And... Any kicker should make that kick, right? And so rather than let UCLA run the clock down to like two seconds and kick it and just end it, ASU's players actually dragged Felton into the end zone for a touchdown so they get the ball back and at least have a chance to come down and tie it, but they were unable to do it. So ASU 0-2 facing U of A in the Territorial Cup, which, by the way, is on Friday. And uh, that stat, it's, it's, it's a depressing one that the Sun Devils, Wildcats, and Cardinals have combined for one football win since October 25th. And that one win was courtesy of a Hail Mary against the Buffalo Bills. NBA, James Harden still hasn't reported for the Rockets. The team is officially calling it a holdout at this point. He's not holding out for a new contract, but he had made it clear that he wants to be traded. It's kind of hard to trade a contract like that and still get decent return. I mean, you start to talk to people around the NBA, you know, it, it, you look and you say, okay, well, James Harden, I mean, he's on any given night the best player in the NBA. He's certainly a top five player in the NBA. He's going to be a Hall of Famer someday. Like, he's, he's a really, really good player. 29 other teams would want him, right? Like, yeah, sure. But A, he's not going to go to, what, 25 of those other 29 teams? Not every team can afford that. Not every team can give you back pieces if you're Houston. I mean, Houston doesn't have to trade him. Although, if he's not even going to show up, then they are going to have to trade him. Something to keep an eye on, not because you care about the Houston Rockets, but if you're a Suns fan, you want James Harden out of the Western Conference. Let's not kid ourselves here. We're all excited about what the Suns can do. Uh, Maybe they can jump over Houston anyway. Chris Paul had Oklahoma City tied with Houston last season. And he didn't have a whole lot of talent on that team with him other than like Shea Gilgis-Alexander. But the path to the playoffs for the Suns gets a lot easier if James Harden's playing for Philadelphia or Brooklyn. And speaking of the Suns, just throw this out there. ESPN had their first power rankings of this season posted earlier today. 
Phoenix Suns listed at number 14 in the NBA. I'll take that. There's also a few of the sites, I, I and I apologize because I don't remember who it was that sent it to me. They had uh, betting odds on which player will be traded first this season. I'm only bringing this up because it seems ridiculous to me. Booker was like eighth on the list. Why is Devin Booker even on that list? James Harden was number one on the list, most likely to be traded. And yeah, I mean, he might get traded before we do the show tomorrow night. Devin Booker's not getting traded. Maybe he gets traded in four years. Maybe he asks out. I don't know. But he's not getting traded right now. This team's got something. ESPN, though, like I said, 14th in their power rankings. That's a lot better than where the Suns have been for the last five years. All right, we come back. As I said, the uh, the skeptics nationally are voicing their uh, voicing their opinions about the Arizona Cardinals and whether or not this Cliff Kingsbury Kyler Murray experiment's even going to work at all. Big picture. We'll get into that next. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Big Red Monday. The Rundown, presented by Ramos Law Firm at RamosLaw.com. Your home for everything Arizona Cardinals. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I mentioned it at the top of the show. My biggest concern with the Cardinals right now is that we just don't know what this team's identity is. And I don't know that they know what it is. And it's, you know, coming to the season... If you're being realistic with yourself, it's year two of the Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray era. And it's not like Kyler Murray has been in the league for 10 years and he just joined the team and Cliff has been you know, bouncing around as a head coach before and they came together. No, I mean, they're both essentially rookies last year. So to be realistic with the team coming into the season, I think you had to say, okay, I hope they win nine games. I hope they make the playoffs. Maybe they get to 10. Who knows? But either way, just get better, and by the end of the season, let's have that identity carved out. It's going to be around the offense, right? We're going to have an offense that it's not the Chiefs, but maybe by the end of the season, it's number two in terms of offenses that opposing defenses just hate to go up against. But now here we are. We're heading into week 14. Week 13 is wrapping up uh, tomorrow, Baltimore and, and Dallas playing. When is Baltimore ever going to play another game on a Sunday? Um. I have no idea what this team's identity is, and they don't seem to know what their identity is. In fact, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about it today. I'd say we're still um, looking for it. You know, I thought we we had first half of the season had um, done some good things and played in rhythm and, um, you know, had some some real positive moments. And, you know, uh, starting with a Thursday night game in Seattle, didn't think we executed great. Um, You know, had our chances in New England there first half to, to get it rolling and, got stopped during that fourth down and then this week I just felt like wasn't wasn't clicking much at all uh, in that first half and, and it's a combination of things like we said earlier um, starting with me knowing that we can we can call it better and, and execute better um, we've got to figure out some things this week so I mean that's the biggest thing when you start to look big picture right unless you're going to win the Super Bowl this season the biggest thing is to have that offense absolutely buzzing going into next year now, that doesn't mean it has to end in the regular season. The way this team started, 6-3, and three, like you should be, your offense should be formidable. Right now, teams are just like, oh, we'll just put an extra guy in the quarterback. Problem solved. No. 
It shouldn't be that easy. I mentioned the skeptics, and there were plenty when Kyler Murray was drafted and Cliff Kingsbury was hired. Not that Kyler was drafted, but he was drafted number one overall. And there were plenty coming into this season. And the Cardinals were sort of a trendy team for people nationally to pick as a playoff team. But also, and we all have heard from Bart Scott this year when he said, you know, Kyler Murray's not a leader and there's a cap to what he can do. Keyshawn Johnson has that bet with Burns and Gambo for charity based on the Cardinals going over or under seven wins this season. And I don't know. I mean, when it's six and three, I'm guessing Burns and Gambo felt pretty confident. They're getting a lot of tweets from Keyshawn Johnson now. He, uh, Keyshawn obviously hosts his show on ESPN in the mornings, and he, as you would expect, had some stuff to say about the Cardinals following their latest performance. It's not a Kyler Murray thing with me, so that people understand. It's a system thing. I hate the air raid. I cannot stand it. I don't believe you can win long-term in the National Football League with that style of offense. It puts too much pressure on your defense. When you get three and out, it's problematic. You get five and out. You turn the ball over. You give them a short field. You now have put your defense in, har- in harm's way. Time of possession is extremely important. And, and, and maybe I'm old school, traditional, whatever you want to call it. Maybe I'm caught up in dinosaur ages, even though I'm young, that I believe that you have to have some sort of traditional offense and defense in the National Football League to win. You cannot just expect for Kyler Murray to throw the ball all over the lot. Okay, you, you you just can't. That's interesting because of all the um, criticisms of the Cardinals when they set out on this experiment started last season. That's the only one. Like I said, I think Kyler Murray is going to be really good in this league. I think for the most part, he and when we look back at the end of the season, depending on how these last four games go. But I mean, even now you look back and say Kyler Murray was really good this year. He has definitely trended down the last few weeks. I think it's pretty clear he's hurt. But either way, now Kyler Murray, for the most part, has been really good to, at times, great this season. He has to take some of the blame, too, obviously. He's the quarterback, and the team's not winning, and the offense really isn't moving the ball. But even at the start of last season, very confident that he would evolve into one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. The question with all of this, for me, that I would at least buy into and say, okay, you know what, we are going to have to wait and see, is does this offense work long-term in the NFL? Because if it does, then why haven't more teams done it? And we kind of saw it yesterday when they went four and out, or three and out four straight times. And all four times it was like, yeah, okay, you had the ball for a minute. And the defense gets run right back out there, and they eventually just broke down. Uh, more from Keyshawn. The way that I look at the system is that system to me is only good for seven, eight, nine wins. It's not good for those 14, 15 wins that you will need to win a Super Bowl. The goal is to win a Super Bowl, I would think, in Arizona. The, the, the goal is to win a Super Bowl, not just to have a, you know, be third in the division, win eight games. Look, there's a, oh, we made progress. That That's not the goal. When they hired Cliff Kingsbury, the goal was to win a Super Bowl. When they traded Josh Rosen and went and got the Heisman Trophy winner that they could plug into a system that he was in in college, whether it was Texas A&M or Oklahoma or high school, they said, okay, we got a dynamic guy who can run our offense, which is true. The problem is that style does not work for longevity in the National Football League. I wouldn't give a damn 
Who you ask? Yeah, look, I, as, as far as Kyler Murray, I know this feels weird to say after these last few games. I absolutely think that we're going to get to a point where he's capable of winning a Super Bowl. Just his ability. You think of the Kyler Murray that is running for 80 yards a game and is also throwing downfield. He's not there yet, but I do think, remember, this is only his second year. I absolutely think he has that sort of upside. But I don't know that he's going to be good enough to drag a team where like the rest of the team is maybe you know just kind of average. I don't think he could drag that to a Super Bowl. So in these next couple years, when he is still relatively cheap and you can allocate money to other positions, are they going to be able to get it together? Is this system going to work? Is Cliff going to adjust? Is he going to be able to adjust in a way where Teams are paying for focusing on keeping Kyler from running. I mean, that's why it, that all doesn't get determined in the next four weeks. But these next four weeks are huge, not just because they are going to decide whether or not the Cardinals make the playoffs. I think we're going to learn a lot about the head coach and the direction of this team in the next four weeks. Just want to go quickly around the NFL here with some of the other stuff going on uh, tonight. The Steelers saw their undefeated season end at the hands of the Washington football team. Buffalo Bills playing right now against the 49ers in Glendale. It's 14-7. Buffalo has the lead in that one. Dawson Knox just got in the end zone for the Bills. So Josh Allen has a couple touchdown passes. Cole Beasley has the other one. You absolutely want the Bills to win if you are a Cardinals fan. Uh, yesterday, we saw the 49, or not the 49ers, rather, the Patriots put up 45 points on the LA Chargers. I mean, the Patriots, when they did this again yesterday, Cam Newton, they're winning games without their quarterback even throwing. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable. We saw it firsthand with the Cardinals. Cam Newton yesterday had 69 passing yards, and the team won by 45. What did they have against the Cardinals? Like 84. 84 passing yards. Cam Newton in the last two weeks has 153 passing yards. He started both games, and the Patriots are 2-0. They're 4-1 in their last five, but uh, with the way the AFC is stacked up, it's probably not going to be enough for the Patriots to make the playoffs anyway. So that, uh, that streak is likely ending. If you were watching Red Zone yesterday, or you know, just if you have the Sunday ticket before the Cardinals game, you saw the Jets... <sighs> I don't, want to, I don't want to say that they were purposely tanking, but you saw the Jets get the Raiders on the ropes at the end of the game, stop them, get the ball back with like, I don't know, not even two minutes left. Couldn't get a first down, had to pump back. Raiders get the ball very little time. By the end, there's like 10 seconds, it's fourth down, and uh, Greg Williams draws up basically an all out blitz instead of, you know, just preventing. The Raiders from being able to pass the ball down the field. Henry Ruggs, who, you know, he may end up having a great career in the NFL, but all we know about him right now is that he can run fast in a straight line. So the Jets just put one guy on him when they had the game. I mean, the Jets had the game wrapped up, and instead they just let him go. It was, I guess it was third down. But third and 10 from the, the New York 46, five seconds left, and Henry Ruggs is just wide open. It's not a Hail Mary, it's just, oh, He's wide open. I'll just throw him the ball and we'll win. So the Jets maintain their top pick in the draft. I guess that's what they were going for. I mean, Greg Williams, who was the one that if you can fault anybody on that play, it was very clearly the defensive coordinator saying, I mean, it looked like they were trying to block a punt. 
just nobody back there to cover the the uh, receivers. He gets fired today. So I mean, if if he was doing that to uh, to help the Jets get Trevor Lawrence, it, it just cost him his job. So I don't think he was. And if you know anything about Greg Williams, if he was asked to do that, I'm pretty sure he'd already be telling everybody in the world that that was the case. I don't think he'd be protecting the Jets' honor after they just fired him. Meanwhile, Jacksonville could have done the Cardinals a favor against Minnesota, and they end up losing in overtime. So those two teams now a combined one win since uh, since last year. Remember, Jacksonville was supposed to be the, the worst team in the league. They went out and beat the Colts in Week 1, and they haven't won since. And the Jets are just horrendous. Also, Giants beat the Seahawks. We'll get more into that game tomorrow because, of course, the Cardinals are going to play the Giants now uh, next week. And that was a... Uh, it was a game that ultimately could have really helped the Cardinals, Seattle losing, but now I don't, I don't know that the Seahawks, what they do really matters all that much uh, to Arizona at this point. All right, we come back. We will get the thoughts of Cardinals play-by-play man Dave Pash on what he has seen now, not just yesterday, but through the first 12 games of the season. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. Luke I am your father. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Okay, final segment of the show. We figure we have some fun here after a uh, rough Cardinals game yesterday. It's time for a round of this or that, the way this works. I've got four questions for Jeff. Jeff's got four questions for me. There's only two possible answers. So some of the, I mean, this could be anything. This could be, what are you, you're making a prediction. You have to make a tough choice, whatever. Uh, Jeff has never played this game before, have you? So this is going to be a wild new experience for everybody. Oh, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm going to screw this up completely. <laughs> okay, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's impossible to screw this up. Now let's see what happens. You keep <laughs> saying that, and I keep saying you, you haven't heard my ideas yet. Okay, well then let's start off with me asking you a question. And I'll just throw a just nice, easy icebreaker out there. You personally, Jeff, have the choice. Cardinals make the playoffs this year or the Suns make the playoffs? Not what you think is going to happen, just what would you rather? Cardinals make the playoffs, Suns make the playoffs. Oh, uh, this is going to make me a pariah since it's the middle of football season and basketball season hasn't started yet, but uh, I I am a Suns fan through and through. I, I think I would rather see the Suns. If I had to pick, okay. I would rather see the Suns make the playoffs than the Cardinals. Are you from Phoenix? I am. Okay. I, I have this theory that I cannot prove in any scientific way that most people from Phoenix, even if the majority is like 60-40, would, would answer the way you just answered. I do think th- that like at the basis of this city, it's a Suns town still. I, I would agree. I always think back to when I was in elementary school, middle school. Everyone that I knew that was into sports was a Suns fan. Everyone who was into football had, you know, their parents probably moved here from Minnesota or New York or wherever it's cold, and they probably brought that fandom with them. And I think it's just culturally football is a little bit more of like a you you keep your family ties kind of deal yeah so i i think that is the main reason other uh, along with just the suns being here uh, twice as long yeah i think there's something to that i mean the suns were like the original team here and you're right you know we all know a lot of like cowboys bears whoever fans i don't really know a lot of like 
Milwaukee Buck fans. You know what I mean? I don't know a lot of Timberwolves fans. It's kind of like if you're a basketball fan in Phoenix, you're probably a Suns fan. Uh, okay, here you go. You're on. What's your first one? All right. It's fourth and goal on the 10-yard line. Cardinals are full strength, so you have Larry Fitzgerald. Who is your first read on this pass? You drop back. Who are you looking for? D-Hop or Larry Fitzgerald? <laughs> With all due respect to the most uh, famous and beloved athlete in Arizona sports history, at this point, I'm looking at DeAndre Hopkins. This is really a question of emotions versus pragmatism. Yeah. But, you know, I, I will say this, and my answer is DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not changing that. But, like, if this is a big game, if this is, we're talking about week 17 against the Rams to get in. I do trust Fitz to not only catch the ball at the two, but to fight his way in the end zone, right? Like, if the season is on the line or even the game's on the line, I mean, I trust Fitz. That's We, we started off with two hard questions. Like, I made you roll out the Cardinals out of the playoffs, and you made me uh, not throw to Fitz. Um, okay. This is actually a challenge of who can alienate listeners yeah. the most. <laughs> That's really what it is. Who can anger the most listeners while trying not to? Okay. I'll stick with the Cardinals. You can have one of these two things fixed. Zane Gonzalez starts making field goals again, or Kyler Murray starts running again. I'd like to see Kyler Murray run. I mean, I feel like I know there's no correct answer, but the correct answer here is probably have your kicker make field goals. But if we're talking like, yeah, I just want to have some fun watching these games again, yeah, probably Kyler Murray running. Yeah, at least at least that way. If you lose, it's more exciting, right? You're losing yeah. games like forty-one to thirty-eight or something. All right, that was I, I. For what it's worth, I think I would have said the same thing at this point. You're right. Zane's probably the right answer if you like. If we want to make the playoffs and win games, but I had more fun watching this team when Kyler Murray would just rip off thirty-yard runs. Like, if I'm if I'm an NFL executive or a head coach, yeah, I'm going with the kicker, but. In in terms of football knowledge, I I am a I am a tiny baby. <laughs> well, it's, if I think if we called Steve Kime right now, he would first say, "How did you get this number?" and then he would say, "Yes, I'd rather have my kicker make his kick." Okay, your turn. All right, there's a development of the Arizona Sports Mount Rushmore. Every team gets one representative. Okay, you are approached by the Diamondbacks. You have to make the decision. Is Luis Gonzalez going on there, or is Randy Johnson? Oh, that is a tough one. Uh, Randy Johnson, his years in Arizona, I mean, I feel like he won a Cy Young like every year he was here. He's, okay, I'm going to be clear. Randy Johnson was the better baseball player. Hopefully Luis Gonzalez isn't listening. Luis Gonzalez is obviously great as well. But if this is the Arizona Mount Rushmore... I got to put Luis Gonzalez on there. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair because I I agree with you. Randy Johnson was the better ball player, but when it comes to which one do I envision as a a bit of the heart and soul of this team, it's it's Gonzo. Yeah, and I mean, he's got the hit. Like, it's fitting that he had the game-winning hit in that World Series. And Randy Johnson, again, to be clear, saying Randy Johnson is is the better baseball player than Luis Gonzalez is not an insult. Randy Johnson might be the best left-handed pitcher of all time, but he was also really good with the Mariners and even the Astros for a little bit and the Yankees. Like, yeah, Gonzo, if if, if this Mount Rushmore is going in Arizona, it's Gonzo. 
This is a random aside. I uh, I was Randy Johnson for Halloween one year as a kid. Nice. How did that go? Uh, well, I, I wasn't great at costume making because I was seven, so I completely forgot the whole mustache aspect. <laughs> it, it was basically I dressed up like I was going to a Diamondbacks game. Okay. That's, uh, you know what, that's fair. You can't grow a mustache when you're seven. Also, real random aside as we run out of time, where would a Mount Rushmore in Arizona even go? Like, it would have to be somewhere up north, right? I mean... Or you could just put it right on A Mountain. Yeah, I was thinking A Mountain, Camelback, uh, I... There are probably a fair amount of hikers that are now mad at me yeah. continuing this trend of alienating anyone who's listening <laughs> right a, now. Make a list of everybody that hates us now. All right. Um, okay, here's a simple one. You got to pick right now. You got to put all your money on one side to win the Super Bowl. Are you going AFC or NFC this year? AFC. Because of the Chiefs? Yeah. yeah. It, it's... The chief, it's it's hard to pick a division that has like a clear like these are the bad guys you got to beat. Yeah, and then have the NFC where it's like a bit more open. Could be anybody. Yeah, it, it's pretty confident it's going to be the Chiefs. If not, it's probably the Steelers or maybe like the Titans. I'd still take any of those teams over you know half the teams that are in it in the NFC. True. Okay. All right. Uh, if you were given the opportunity to travel through time, would you go forward or backward? Okay, good question. I'm glad you asked this. I think I would go... Man, that is a good one. I can pick wherever I go backward, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, it's tough going forward because it's not like, okay, I'm going to go to this point. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I'm getting into. I think I'd go backward because I could at least guarantee that I go somewhere good. I've uh, I've had this long running theory that if I traveled back to the Bronze Age and started quoting Rush lyrics, I could have a religion formed about myself. <laughs> so so your answers obviously go backwards. Oh yeah, <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it that way. Um, all right, only because we're running out of time, I'd really like to dive into that for like an hour, but we only have like a minute left. You can either have like high quality pizza, like the whatever the company is of your choice, but it's a topping you don't like. I don't know, like, if you don't like pineapple, what's your least favorite topping for pizza? Would it be pineapple? Uh, I'm actually a pineapple fan. Okay, so that won't work. So like anchovies. Okay, yeah. So high-quality pizza but anchovies or trash pizza, but you get to pick the topping. High-quality pizza over a topping that I enjoy. Okay, okay. I Yeah, I would definitely, I would spend the money even to get anchovies over getting you know, like a value kind of pizza. Okay, that's good. Okay. All right. We only got a minute left. What's uh, what's yours? Mac, uh, mac and cheese. Baked or stovetop? This is a tough one to go out on. Uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with either. I think I'm going to go stovetop. Which one is more likely to get me that, like, crusty mac and cheese on, on the very top of it? That's stovetop, right? That's probably big. Is it really? Yeah, if you want to, like, throw some breadcrumbs on there, I would throw that in the oven. Okay, this is unprecedented to change an answer on this or that, but I'm going to go bake then, because I want that ridge on the top of the mac and cheese. Is that allowed? Uh, only because we're running out of time. We'll go to the judges and come back with the answer tomorrow. Certainly. All right, that was this or that. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for jumping in. And also, thanks to Jeff Darge for uh, running the show tonight. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.